Just to get it out of the way, anybody that was not here last week and you're wondering about the eye, um, you know how Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Well, no, no, that's not what, I have a little new puppy and I was trying to teach him how to walk up my porch stairs. I fell, hit my eye, head actually on um, top of the gate. So anyway, that's, if you're wondering about that, at least I don't look quite as hideous as last week. Last week it was hard to look at me because I still had the egg on my head. It's hard to look at me when I'm normal, but it's extremely hard when you add something to um, the, the, the face. All right. We're in this series called Living in a Hostile Culture. And I want to start out today, and what I said last week, and I'll probably repeat this, is I got a little bit of feedback, a little bit of echo, slap back. I'm not sure if it's um, this or what it is. Um, is that we can live in a time in human history where things change. There are transitional periods in human history. You can track these. Uh, last week, I used the example of Germans, or excuse me, of Jews living in Germany, 1900 up to 1932. It was peaceful. It was safe. 1933, Hitler takes over. All of a sudden, they're in a transition period. Everything changes. Now, I want to give you a present-day example, if I could just get this. This is from... Uh, Worthy News Course. Now, by the way, if you don't get Worthy News, it's a great Christian uh, news feed. It'll just shoot you really interesting articles every week. Anyway, four Christian men in Sudan's Darfur faced the what penalty? Death penalty after being tortured and charged with apostasy. Apostasy meaning they won't worship Allah. Okay, they, they won't charged with apostasy for refusing to renounce their faith, Christian Solidarity Worldwide reported conditions for Christians in Sudan have deteriorated again since last year's Islamic military coup. The previous regime allowed these guys to plant churches in Sudan. Islamic militant Islamic coup takes place. They go through a transition period. Now these guys are facing death being executed simply because they're Christ followers and they will not renounce your faith I want to start out by saying if that kind of a transition can happen nearly overnight there could it happen gradually anywhere or quickly somewhere and here's the second question where we want to start because this series is called living in a hostile culture when a when a culture suddenly turns from being well and well warm and welcoming to hostile are we prepared are we equipped as Christ followers in other words if you and I were in Sudan would we have renounced our faith in Christ or faced death these these guys are facing a death penalty so when we live in these transitions We've got to be prepared. It's better to know what is coming and be prepared than to not know what is coming and be unprepared. Now, there are some that say, Randy, this is gloom, this is doom, this is discouraging. I'd rather not know what's coming. Okay, uh, I, I respect that. But I'm going to share the truth with you because my thought is, is that God wants his people to be aware. He wants his people to be prepared. He doesn't want us to be blindsided. And hence, I'm doing this series, Living in a Hostile Culture, because make no mistake, no mistake whatsoever. Our culture is changing dramatically. It's changing fast. It is becoming increasingly hostile to individuals simply because they are Christ followers and simply because they hold to the truths taught in the Word of God. There are many truths taught in the Word of God now that if we hold to those openly, we will start to pay a price. Now, we're going to talk today 
about a, a kind of an unusual point that this, this friction, this hostility kind of fixates on. I'm going to introduce a scripture. It's kind of going to feel kind of odd to you. This is toward the end of time. This is the last global government. This is the last power, political power, that will be ruling and reigning on earth. It says, they worship the dragon. Now, don't get thrown by that. If you read Revelation 12, 9, a chapter before, it says, the dragon is Lucifer, Satan, the slanderer, the serpent. It's just talking about Satan. They worship the dragon or Satan. Because he gave authority to the beast. Now, the beast is the human entity ruling over the last global governance. They worship the beast. Notice, they worship the dragon. They worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who can go to war against him? goes on. All those who make their home on the earth will worship the beast during this last phase of human history before the return of Christ. Those whose names have, who have not been written from the beginning of the world in the book of life which belongs to the lamb that was slain. Now, pause here for a minute. You've got two contrasting sets of worshipers. The last great conflict on planet Earth is going to revolve around who do you worship? And it says there are those that are the worshipers of the Lamb. Their names have been written in the book of life since before the world was founded. God has something called foreknowledge. He doesn't cause us to trust in Christ, but he does know who will ultimately. And our names are written in advance. And he says, here's this last conflict. The only people that are going to be left on earth are those that worship the beast, which is the personification of Satan in a global geopolitical ruler, or there will be those that refuse and they will be the worshipers of the Lamb. The last conflict, you are likely to live to be in this conflict, I'm even likely to live to be in this conflict, is over worship. So with that in mind, let's go to this, the beginning of today's message. Now we said the whole series is gonna be in the book of Daniel. We started in Daniel chapter one last week. We're gonna be in Daniel chapter three. When you come to Daniel chapter three, about three years have transpired since uh, chapter one. Living in a hostile culture, and what we're gonna learn is that the Lord rescues the victimized. Living in a hostile culture means that you and I, innocent people, may be victimized simply because of the one that we worship simply because of our loyalty to Christ, simply because of our loyalty to the word of God and because we are unwilling to shrink back. We're unwilling to denounce our faith in Christ, our trust in Christ, our loyalty to Christ and our loyalty and our total confidence in God's word, every part of God's word, not just the parts that are convenient to talk about in public. All right, let's go to the book of Daniel and we'll dig right in. It says, Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the, lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So here we have this worship challenge. Now, if you're wondering where did King Nebuchadnezzar get this weird idea, if you read chapter 2 on your own, you will see that King Nebuchadnezzar had this prophetic dream in which he sees four successive kingdoms that will come after him. The last one, though, comes right down to the end of the age. The first one was his kingdom, Babylon, and it was uh, emblem it was emblematic of gold, and hence he does this gold statue. If you read chapter 2, he was the head of gold. Anyway... So all of a sudden, 
he makes this challenge that if you don't bow down to this image if you don't worship this image your life is going to end now I just want you to stop for a minute these guys right now they're in Darfur Sudan their lives are just like this on the line and it's not just in Sudan it's it's around the world usually in Islamic uh, nations you can also have it in North Korea and other parts of the world where suddenly just because you are known to be a Christian you either renounce your faith or you die we all got to ask this question what will we do you see it, it, it raises to the surface how important is Christ actually to us how, how confident in him are we actually how much does he mean to us how much do we trust in him when there's actually something on the line that, that's going to affect us right now it, it kind of shows what's authentically inside us or not worship is going to be the last great conflict on planet earth it's going to be about worship and who do you worship make no mistake it's coming and you are likely to live through it so we've got to start by asking something what is authentic worship I mean we talk about worship all the time we, we, we might say we just finished worship meaning that we had a time in our service where through song we expressed our worship to God but is that all that worship is and, and, and let's go further when, when we were just having this this time of song and I'm not trying to be you know uncomfortable for anybody but but I suppose just knowing human beings the way I do I suppose that some of us when that song time was going on we were authentically worshiping our deepest innermost parts was reaching out to God we were we were sensing the beauty of his character and and we were just worshiping and giving our affection and so forth but the truth is some of us weren't uh, some of us maybe we're disconnected altogether some are saying man I, w I wish the music time would get over so I could you know get down to the, the message time don't raise your hands if that's your, your case because Pete wouldn't like that uh, <laughs> nor would I <laughs> but you know and I know just because you're singing let me go further just because your hands are in the air and you're singing that doesn't mean that you are authentically worshiping you say Randy how can you possibly say that I mean did, did you see me man I mean I was into I had tears streaming down my you can have tears streaming down your eyes you can be completely into it physically demonstratively and that can be the result of your deep connection with God as you're worshiping but not necessarily so I, I want to I talk about this what, what is what is authentic worship are you am I an authentic worshiper what, why is this a big deal at all here we go let's look at some verses Jesus talking in John's gospel chapter 4 he says but, but the time is coming indeed it's here now when true worshipers notice he's differentiating because the, all the Jews of that day would have said that they worship God but Jesus was differentiating he was saying you may say you're worshiping God you you may be involved in his word you may identify as people but he says that there's those that are true worshipers as opposed to those that are not when true worshipers will worship the father brain fluid some of you know I have brain brain fluid leak my nose has been running for 10 years uh, <laughs> it's true we'll, we'll will worship the father in spirit and in truth so true worshipers they worship the father in spirit and in truth we're like what what does that mean i, I kind of think i know what it might mean but i'm not sure I'm, i'll unpack it the father is looking for those who will worship him that way those that worship him in spirit and in truth 
For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does it mean to worship God in spirit and truth? It means that you're my, our deepest, most inner self is connecting with the heart of God. We, we are so in tune with him. We are so comfortable with him. We, we so trust him. We, we like everything about him. We like his plans. We like his purposes. We, we like his promises. We like the way he thinks. We like the way he feels. We are completely united to him. It's not that we, we just want to make sure. It's not that we just want to make sure that we're going to Go to heaven that when death comes, that elevator goes up instead of goes down. It's not what worship and spirit of truth is. Worship and spirit of truth is I have seen God as he actually is. I have seen his heart, seen his mind, seen his plans, seen his purposes. I see how he says that life was meant to be lived. And I, I'm all about it. I, I like it. I, I, I have a, a my, my soul resonates with him. Spirit and truth. I love his truth. Everything that he says is right, I, it resonates with me. Yes, it's right. Everything he says is wrong. I say, yes, it's wrong. I, I know you love me. I know you want what's best. I know you, you only tell me those things that are for my highest good ultimately. And so there's this inter, inside, inner connection, worshiping in spirit and truth. There, there's a commonality. There's a camaraderie between your soul, my soul, and God's soul. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying that I'm just trying to figure out what I have to do to get God's blessing and avoid his displeasure. No, no, no. It's saying I, I like him. I'm going to simplify this. I just like him. I just like him for who he is, and I like everything about him. That's what spirit and truth worship is. Let me add one other component about what authentic worship is. Romans 12, it says, So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. What does that mean, a living sacrifice to God? And, and Christians get this, this passage very confused. I'll unpack it in a minute. Dedicated to his service and pleasing to him, this is the true worship that you should offer. Now, now, Christians take this passage, Romans 12, 1, and, and they take it often as being this, you make this climactic surrender to God. Oh, God, here I am. I surrender myself a living sacrifice to you. Do whatever you want with my life, I surrender. And that's okay. That's okay if you understand what it's saying. It's saying live like that every day. Live a, com a life completely dedicated to the service of God. That's worship. Worship has this notion that, that I have objectively seen someone who is worth my complete attention, my complete devotion, and so I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live in the light of his presence every day, and I'm going to live to serve him. So it's not this one-time climactic uh, surrender that God suddenly does his internal transformation because he doesn't work that way. He works in a progressive way to transform us. There, there's uh, the putting off and the putting on, but it means that I am now saying the rest of my days, I'm living for Jesus. And every day that I get up in the morning, I'm living for him. That's what it means. And they say, Scripture says, Paul says, the Spirit of God says, that's what true worship is. True worship is you and me getting up every day of our lives and saying, here I am again today, Lord. All I want to do is honor you. All I want to do is serve you. All I want to do is be a blessing to you. All I want to do is be a blessing to others in your name. 
That's what true worship, listen, true worship is not what happens in here in a 20-minute component of singing. True worship is every single day you and I living this way. We're living intelligently. We're saying, I'm going to live the way one that has seen God's heart, seen his mind, seen the truth about God, seen the truth about life. I'm going to live consistent with that every day of my life. Are you a true worshiper by that definition? There's two definitions, spirit and truth. Your heart and God's heart, his mind and your mind, his feelings, your feelings, they, they just kind of find harmony. Second one, do you wake up every day saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I, I'm going to rejoice, be glad, and I'm going to serve him everywhere I can, any way that I can every day because I want to. I want to. It makes sense to me. That's true worship. Now, I'm going to break this down even more because here we, we started off with this, this scene where Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I'm going to make this image, and this image is really about me, but it represents my gods, my truth, the things that I care about. And if you don't bow down, you're going to pay a price. You're going to be thrown into this furnace of fire. You're going to be canceled, <laughs> really, really canceled, he says. It, it's, a, it's a thought about worship. There are two contrary systems and ideas about worship in the universe the, the one system is completely different from true worship. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. Here we go. Any element, always mark this in your mind, any element of coercion, intimidation, or deception, as well as any mercenary or appeasement-based intent, make authentic worship, what is the word? Impossible. Now let this sink in for a minute. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, if you don't, if you don't bow down and worship... <laughs> I'm going to throw you in the furnace. By that statement, he was making authentic worship impossible because authentic worship cannot happen when there's any coercion, when there's any intimidation, nor can it happen when there's any deception. If, if we are being deceived by someone or something and we give value to something that it doesn't deserve, well, that, that's not authentic worship. You're going to see this as I really unpack it further. Also, any mercenary intent. What do you mean by mercenary, Randy? I mean that there are people that think in terms of, I want to go to heaven. I want to just make sure when this life is over, I'm going to heaven. And so I have a mercenary intent. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's the formula to get what I want from God. Other people say, I want to, I want to have God's blessing on my life. I want, him, I want the ball to bounce in my direction. I want him to fix this and do that. That's mercenary. In other words, you want God to buy you. You want him to bribe you. In fact, Satan himself insinuated in the book of Job, chapter 1 and 2, that that's the exact truth. You know, he, he gets all up in God's face, and he says, nobody likes you for yourself, God. Job doesn't like you. You're buying him. You're bribing him. He said, he said his, his ideas, his intent of worshiping you is just mercenary. The other one is appeasement-based. Any worship that is, man, I just want to get the, the big man off my back and on my side where he's working for me, where he's going to bless everything I do, you know. That's not true worship. That is false worship. These things are corrosives. They are pollutants. They are contaminants. When any of these elements, when, I, when I'm too fearful, when I'm afraid, and I'm, I call it worship, but I'm really scared of God, that's coercion, that's intimidation, that's force, deception, mercenary or appeasement-based intent. They make authentic worship. Well, Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't worship me, I'm going to throw you in the fire. By that very statement, he made worship impossible. When I'm under pressure, when I'm under threat, when I'm under duress, when I'm being deceived, when I'm trying to uh, uh, just get something for myself, I'm trying to use God to get what I want, 
Worship is impossible. Worship cannot exist with any of those elements. Now pause for a minute because those elements can get mixed in with authentic worship sometimes. An individual that actually trusts Christ is truly his follower, but they have a confused image about God, and some of these things get mixed in. Bad teaching will produce some of these things. We're figuring, I'm going to do this for God, and he's going to do this for me. If you're thinking like that, your worship is contaminated. Your worship is polluted. It's not going to be pure. It's not going to be something that is effective uh, in your life or in anybody else. Now, let me add to this. Next one. Authentic worship is of necessity... What is the first word? Spontaneous and entirely what? Voluntary. I'm just curious. um, How many in here have ever in your life bought a ticket to um, maybe a a game, football game, baseball game, basketball game, or a concert or something like that? So just curious. How how many have ever, ever bought a ticket to some event like that? Can I see your hands? Okay. Now I'm going to ask a tougher question. Is there anybody in here that either was or is, and is would be really uh, interesting, uh, a season ticket holder to what was once the Redskins, now they're the Commanders. <laughs> season ticket for 25 years maybe. They've been the stinkiest organization. But, but, but you have a seat. Is there anybody that have, have the courage to, if you do have a season ticket, that you would raise your hand? Anybody? Is there any... any? It's hard for me to see. Okay, no season ticket holders. But there are such things. I mean, we've been the stinkiest organization for 25 years. I'm a loyal Redskin fan or Commander fan now. Um, but they've been the stinkiest organization. But yet there are, there are people that have season tickets and they show up even though the Redskins themselves don't show up or the, or the Commanders themselves don't show up. <laughs> All right, one last question, and, and, and I actually went somewhere with this. I'm just curious. We're all different. Some of us are very demonstrative and, and outward. Some of us are kind of quiet, and we, we have a lot of feelings maybe going on quietly inside. I'm one of those guys myself. How many of you, though, you're one of those people, when you do go to the concert, when you do, do go to the, um, the basketball game or baseball game or football game, you're like, you, you just go bonkers. You're like jumping and screaming. and wait. I mean, you could hit somebody and not even know it. You're just, you're singing along at the concert. How many of you are very demonstrative when you go to one of these events that you bought a ticket for? Can I see your hands? Okay. All right. Some of you are hesitant. You're like, he, he's, I think he's setting up a trap. <laughs> it's no trap. It's no trap. Simple question. Did anybody coerce you, intimidate you, threaten you to buy that ticket to that concert, to that sporting event? No, no. And and when you you jump and you scream and you clap and all like that and you sing along, um, is anybody threatening you? you? You better sing. You better jump. You better clap. Right now is the time to do that. No, no. It is utterly spontaneous, and you're having a ball, are you not? Why do you do that? I mean, why do you do? Why do you pay money to go see someone, and you're sitting way up in the crowd? You can, if they're not on a screen, you can't even hardly see them. But you go because you want to hear them sing, or you go because you want to see them, you know, shoot a basketball or hit a baseball, whatever it is. Why? Why do you do this? Well, we know. It's because these individuals do something so well, it just attracts us. We're, we're just moved toward it. We, we just love it. We just can't get enough of it. It, it. it excites us. It's all spontaneous. We see something in them. 
it's purely an objective thing we see something that we we esteem so much we like it so much that we will pay we will pay just to see them do it and then we'll we'll really express ourselves this is all wrapped up in here authentic worship of necessity it's spontaneous it's like we see something that's so extraordinarily wonderful that that we just spontaneously react we're not being forced we're not being threatened uh, there's no pressure it just happens it's spontaneous and it's entirely voluntary you cannot force worship worship and I'm, I'm not trying to say that when we go to a sporting event or we go to a concert or something that we're worshiping somebody I'm not I'm not saying that. I mean you could be if you're really weird you could be but I, I mean there are some people that are weird and they worship these celebrities and so forth but but none of you do I know that all right so now now let me add the big piece to this and I have shared this before but there's five foundations and without these foundations true worship doesn't happen I don't care how emotional you are I don't care how many years you've gone to church. Trust me, I'm speaking the truth in love to you. If these five elements are not there, whatever we're calling worship may not be real worship. You, you probably don't even want to know. You, you're like, you're getting bummed out. You, how many just, you don't want to know what the five elements are. Can I see your hands? Is there anybody that does want to know? That's it. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Number one element of worship attraction I see something in God as he's revealed himself in Christ that I'm just like wow man wow I, I like that attraction admiration they, they happen quickly they happen together I not only see something I like I'm not only attracted to you I, I, I want to get close to you I want to know more about you but I like you you, when you speak the things you say the things you do your plans your purposes I like you I like your plans I like your purposes number three I start having affection it's like I, I start I, it goes beyond admiration now I have, I have feelings for you Lord Jesus I have feelings for you my God as you've revealed yourself in Jesus and then it goes from there to associations like I am now yours I am your son. I am your servant. I don't care who knows. I will always be your son. I will always be your servant. I will always identify with you. I'll identify as your worshiper when the weather is good and it's popular and it's safe to do so. And I will identify as your worshiper when the weather is bad and it may cost me thrown into the fiery furnace or canceled by the present culture because I'm going to be loyal to you to your word all this is involved it's all voluntary and then the last one aspiration and aspiration means is I not only like you I want desperately to be like you I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands but I know the truth I know some of you in here you are desperate to be more like Christ you have seen somebody in Jesus so beautiful and you know it's our destiny Jesus guarantees it that someday we will be transformed to his image we will be the best Christ-like version of ourselves. and some of us we fight ourselves inside day in and day out just to make a little a little progress to become just a little bit more like Christ we we see him and we so much want to be like him we don't just like him you got to hear me somebody because some of you just want to go to heaven but you don't like Jesus and you don't want to be like Jesus you just want to go to heaven do you ever think about how uncomfortable it would be to be in heaven and you really don't like Jesus? You just wanted to make sure you didn't go to the hot spot? You know what I'm saying? 
come on folks we got to get we got to get mature we got to get real we got to get sincere you and I are living in a hostile culture it is going to get increasingly hostile it is going to be harder and harder to be openly identified as a Christ follower it is going to be harder and harder to openly speak the truth about God's word particularly on certain subjects because it's going to bring heat it's going to cause us to be canceled it's going to cause us to be ostracized it's going to cause some of us maybe our jobs and it could be like those young men in Darfur it could ultimately end up costing us our lives in Revelation 13 gives a crystal clear picture it will ultimately end up costing us the ability to buy and sell revelation 13 says this last beast government will have a a different kind of an economic system in which no one will be able to buy or sell unless they give their loyalty their worship to the beast to the new government therefore if you're a christ follower you're going to have to survive somehow without normal abilities to eat and drink and get food and livelihood. Revelation 13, read it on your own. So anyway, these are the elements of authentic worship. Check yourself out. Now stop, stop for a moment and say, okay, am I authentically just attracted to Jesus? Forget heaven. Are you just attracted to Jesus? God has fully revealed himself in Jesus. Do you admire him? Do you have affection for him? Are you ready now to say, I am his I'm going to associate with him I'm going to identify with him and I want desperately every day and every second of my life be like him alright I'm going to just say this I've met a lot of people that identify as Christ followers through the years but sometimes when you start to interact with them more you find that they really are fixated on heaven they, they are all about making sure that they're going to go to heaven but there are honestly very little, if any, concern that they become like him day to day. And when I, when I hear that, when I see that, when I have conversations with people like that, I think, ah, oh, man, I so hope, I so hope you're okay. But you do not demonstrate to me that you're an authentic worshiper of, of God in spirit and in truth. Because if you did you would want so much to be like Jesus every day of your life and that's a holistic thing when we are worshipers it, it, is, a, it is a life governing thing it governs like I said our, our, our whole walk seven days a week not just an hour or two here and there alright let's go on Daniel 3 um, actually I think we missed something in between there uh, that should not be there. Maybe we got it in the wrong place. The, the question that I'm looking for is, what is why is authentic worship? Yeah, that, what, that was not the right place. If it is, we'll flip it around next service so I don't you know, look like I know what I'm, not what I'm doing or doing or whatever. <laughs> why, why is authentic worship controversial? Uh, now, we've, we've talked about a few. Authentic worship is controversial because it really is your or my truest self it, it's, it's allowing others to know what we care about the most what we think about the most what, what we feel the strongest about it's kind of revealing it in other words it forms our character what we authentically worship and it, it drives the direction of our life now I want to say something everybody worships there's not a human being on the planet that ever has been ever will be that doesn't worship every human being worships it could be a place, it could be a thing, it could be an experience, it could be money, it could be people, it could be something God created. We all worship either something God created or we worship the creator. But we all worship. 
Worship is that which we orient our lives around. It becomes the thing that we center our lives. And you can tell what you worship sometimes by what you spontaneously think about, what excites you, what, what gives you enjoyment, what you pursue uh, beyond other things, what, what you prioritize your time toward and so forth. It, it, it's life-orienting. Whatever we get our sense of significance from, in other words, what makes us feel valuable as human beings, what makes us feel secure as human beings, uh, what makes us feel satisfied, those are usually the things we worship. Now, those things are all supposed to come from our Creator. It, it's Christ that tells us that we're you know um, made in his image and made by him and for him that's our value nobody can change our value it's christ that says that uh, he is the one that will determine our days on this earth and so that's where we get our security and he is the source of all satisfaction but sometimes we look to money or we look to places or we look to things we look to people you know some people get all codependent and and a person takes the place of god in their life oh i can't live without you if you if you say that you can't live without somebody that that person is starting to squeeze god out and you're not going to love them in a healthy way because you need them too much when you love Christ first, you'll be able to love them in a healthy way as opposed to needing something from them. You'll be able to give to them. Some of you need to hear that perhaps more than anything. But why is authentic worship controversial? Why are these guys over in Sudan about to be executed simply because they refuse to worship Allah? Um, by the way, there, there's, there's no religion on the planet more coercive, intimidating, violent, brutal than Islam. I used to laugh when um, a former president used to say Islam is a religion of peace. And I'm like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you don't know about Islam. The very word means submission. It means bow. You, you get down. Islam. As Christians, again, we've even been duped on this to think that it's some religion of peace. It is not. It is the most violent religion that has ever been released from the pit of hell on this planet. But why is authentic worship so controversial? Well, one reason could be that the first controversy, the first conflict that, that ever occurred in the universe, we're going back before there was human beings. We're going back when, when God was just surrounded by other beings that are made in his image. They have mind, reason, emotions, will, just like we do. They have, they have you know, all the same faculties. They're generically called angels. What all that word angels means is, is messengers, and so it's just generic. Sometimes we get different speciation of them. You know, we got the cherubim and the seraphim and things like that, but we, we don't know. Now, I'm going to say something to you. You were born on earth. Is there anybody here that was not born on earth? Okay. okay. You wouldn't tell us anyway, yeah, but you're a hybrid, and you're going to hide. Uh, <laughs> but we were all born on earth. Therefore, we are terrestrial, all right? We come from the earth. We are terrestrial. These entities that God created long, long before us, hard to tell how many eons of our time, they are extraterrestrial. I'm going somewhere with this, and you're going to be uncomfortable. But you need to hear this. They are extraterrestrial. But, but Randy, they're, they're, are they like angels and then extraterrestrials? No. The, I'm calling the angels what they are extraterrestrials they didn't originate on earth they originated elsewhere in the universe why are you emphasizing this randy because the great deception that you and i are likely to encounter i've done extensive teaching on it if you go to youtube go to the bottom of the page there's two two units on the great deception 
you can call me crazy but you'll be thankful that you looked at that teaching because in fact let me just ask something and, and, and you gotta be, give me honest hands on this how many of you know that our Pentagon announced in April of 2020 how many of you know that in April of 2020 our Pentagon announced UFOs are real we don't know what they are we don't know where they came from we don't know how they do what they do they access our most secret military bases and activities but they are real how many know that 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 came out in 2020 april 2020 and, and it's been all over the news and if you did if you don't know it don't don't feel bad but how many of you let, let me do it differently how many did did not know that you did not know that that was ever brought out in the news raise your hands high because i actually i'm trying to find that's what i thought it's exactly what i thought it's true but they've lied to us for 70 years about this phenomenon we're terrestrial we were br brought forth on the earth they are elsewhere in the universe they are extraterrestrial you've got to start thinking in your minds angel extraterrestrial same thing because the last great deception the last great deception of mankind before Jesus returns it's going to it's going to revolve around what are being called extraterrestrials but you know now angels angels is what we're dealing with and, and you better be wise about what's coming let's just say i urge you look, go on youtube look at the bottom page of my bible institutes and the one i did on the on the great deception is two parts you you you, you can disagree with me i don't care if you disagree with me but you need to be aware at least all right so why is authentic worship because the first great controversy started in heaven the scripture teaches us that that this being lucifer the light bearer an angel highly ranked very perfect an ancient extraterrestrial he at some point gets in his mind that he wants to be equal with god which is a ridiculous idea a finite created being can never be equal with an infinite uncreated being it's, it's impossible but nevertheless he watched and he saw how that when god walked into a room every eye went on god he he watched and he heard how God said, you know, this is the way we're designed to live. This is the way life works. This is the way love works. And God's giving orders. God's giving principles. God's teaching the rest of the extraterrestrial angelic community. He's teaching them. And Satan's listening and saying, you know, I wonder how good that must feel. Man, you're the dog. When you walk into a room, everybody's listening to you. And you create the rules. And he's sitting there listening like, I want to do that. That must be the greatest feeling in the universe. I, I want to feel what it looks like to be the man, to be in control. He completely, you got to hear this, he completely, because of the, the, the problem that came to exist, the envy, the dissatisfaction in his own soul, he read the character of God through his own corrupted mind how many of you know people do that all the time and they'll, they'll they'll accuse you of the worst things they'll put the worst construction on everything you do and say because of their own corrupted soul they think that everybody thinks like they think lucifer thought that that's what god was like god was not like that at all god had to lead because he was loving when you create beings in your image and they're finite they need to be taught they don't know what's right they don't know what's wrong they don't know what's going to hurt them they don't know what's good for them god had to lead why did every eye turn to god when he came into a room why did every voice listen to him because he was worthy of it 
He's the best. He's the brightest. He's the most beautiful. He's the most sacrificial. You can't, you just can't get words. You can't to articulate his goodness. But in Lucifer's mind, he's holding back. He's not letting us experience everything that he experiences. Well, that's an impossibility. The first conflict in the universe the first controversy was about worship satan says he wants to be worshiped and so what he's done he has satisfied himself through the eons of human history by force or excuse me false coercive worship just like we see with nebuchadnezzar bow down do what i say or you'll you'll be thrown into this fiery furnace that's false worship it's coercive it's not the kind of worship at all that true worship is is about now let's go to that Daniel 3 so here's the second phase of what happens when we did Daniel 1 it was Daniel and then there was these three other fellows Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego where there are Babylonian names given to them We, we meet them again so now everybody's supposed to bow but not everybody's bound but there are some Jews Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse, get this, they refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. It goes on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But this is the most important part to me, what they say next. But even if he what? Even if he does not, we want you to know. I'm going public with this, they're saying. Make no mistake. You you think you're intimidating me? You, You think you're threatening me with a cost that I'm not aware of? Just want you to know. He says, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold or image of gold you have set up and this is really important because what they're saying is you know what we're going to worship the god that we know is worthy of worship and we will not bow to anything we're going to stand for him and if need be we will die for him but we will not shrink back. We, we will not go along to get along. Listen, our society today is filling us with gold images that they are demanding we bow down to. Certain ideas, certain philosophies, certain moral positions that they say you better bow down or you'll be canceled, you'll be ostracized, you'll be punished, you'll lose your career, you'll lose your prestige. You'll, you, you won't even be thought of as a nice person anymore unless you bow down to these certain issues and I'm not going to name them you know what they are they're they're in our faces almost all the time on the news And, and these individuals said you know what it doesn't matter what the cost is I'm not bowing to that I'm not going to listen to me I'm not going to affirm a lie some of you you need to ratchet up your courage and you need to make up your mind you are not going to affirm someone else's lie yeah. Thank you. I'm just like you. I, I, I would love 
to affirm someone else's delusion, their lie, but I know that I'm going to make them happy for a little while and destroy them long run. I won't do it. You can't do it. If you love somebody, if you love somebody, you have to speak the truth in love, knowing full well that they're not going to like what you say, they're not going to agree with it, and you may pay a price. I love what these guys do. They say, it doesn't matter. Our God is able to deliver us. You can bet on that king, and he will. He'll rescue us one way or another, either through life or death, but, but even if he doesn't, that's where you and I need to get to. It's like, I'm going to pray that God will allow me to endure, to go on, to continue to serve, continue to live. But even if I have to pay the ultimate price, we have to start thinking that. We say, Randy, that just sounds so discouraging, man, and crazy. Well, picture again, my example, these guys in Sudan. The government before them said it was fine for them to plant churches governmental coup islamic coup and all of a sudden their lives are on the line what about the the jews in germany all the way up until 1932 it was safe to be a jew but then 1933 when hitler came do you would you have wanted to know uh, about half a million jews escaped the ones that could read the handwriting on the wall the signs of the times it's better to know and be prepared than not to know and be blindsided but i know not everybody feels that way it, the passage goes on Look, Nebuchadnezzar said. Now, this is they take these guys and they throw them into the furnace. Okay, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the furnace. Many of you know the story. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see not three, but four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then the high officers and officials and governors and advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair of their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched they didn't even smell of smoke goes on look at the change now in Nebuchadnezzar the guy that was demanding that they compromise demanding that they be silent demanding that they bow down then Nebuchadnezzar said praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego he sent his angel to rescue his servants rescued his servants who what? trusted in him when we trust in Christ, we will stand for Christ and we will stand whatever test may come our way and pay whatever price. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm going to ask again. You, you got you to, I got it. Are you willing, am I willing to die? rather than serve or worship any other God you, you, you don't have to say but, but I hope it's true I'm just saying we need to settle settle this issue in in our minds because we are living in a transition period we are living in a, in a culture that is turning hostile it's going to become increasingly hostile I so hope that it doesn't get to this point but people all around the world have always hoped that it never gets to this point but the scripture the prophetic scripture indicates it is at some point going to get to this point for a large part of the world if not all the world all right let me show you why authentic worship is so controversial why it's so so um, so tends to cause us to collide with people authentic worship is provocative because it proclaims three things first one is exclusivity when we say that 
Jesus is the creator of the universe. He is the singular way, truth, and life. We're saying there are no other gods. We are condemning every other religion on the planet. But we're not condemning it. We're just saying what God says in his word. But you need to understand, you're going to provoke people. I'm going to provoke people if I refuse to acknowledge that every religion is valid. Every religion is as good as another. It's all about what you want. It's all about what you like. When we say, no, 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 I believe there is one singular creator. He has comprehensively revealed himself throughout history in the word of God. He passed it on. He preserved it for us. He showed himself fully in Christ. I'm saying every other religious expression is wrong, and people know that when we claim to be Christ followers, and we say he's the way, the truth, the life. The other thing we, we do that kind of you know, provokes people is we're, we're proclaiming indisputability. We're saying the creator has absolute truth, and he says some things are right all the time every generation and some things are wrong all the time every generation it doesn't matter what society thinks at any given time we we hear this stuff today about well that may be your truth but it's not my truth that's the the silliest statement there is such a thing as the truth think about gravity does gravity give us a choice well I don't believe the gravity work on me today I I think I'm beyond gravity today (laughs) go for it man jump off a, a mountain or something there is when we proclaim that we're worshipers of the one and only God, we're saying everything he says is true, whether I like it, whether you like it, whether anybody likes it or not, it's true. And that runs us head on into Individuals Day and our society today over these, these hot button issues. You all know what they are. I'm not going to go into them. The third thing we proclaim, authentic worshipers proclaim, we're telling the rest of the world, this God that I'm proclaiming to you You're going to stand before him someday and he's going to ask you to explain how you have given, how you have lived this life that he has given to you, how you have spent your time, how you have used this body that he's given you, how you've used this mind. You're going to have to account to him. You're going to stand before him. You may think that you're not accountable. You may think you can just make up any truth you want, live any way you want. You can enjoy breathing his good air, eating his good food, enjoying his physiological pleasures that he's given to you as a gift now, but you're going to have to account someday. You're going to stand before him, so think it through. You say, but Randy, that's provoking fear. No, that's provoking intelligence. That's just reality. But every time you and I make ourselves known as authentic worshipers of God, we're we're going against the grain. We're pushing back on people, and they know it, and that's why they react with such hostility. Sometimes it's just individuals. We, We say to somebody, well, you know, this is what the Bible says about that issue, and they are ready to attack you sometimes. They'll demonstrate in front of your house. They might burn you and your house down like Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to do with them. This is where we're headed as a society. If we're authentic worshipers and we stand for truth. Now, I'm going to go rapidly through a number of verses that show each of us how critical this issue of being an authentic worshiper is and what it means in, in real situational uh, uh, conflict. Here we go. Jesus talking. He says, then he called the crowd to come along with his disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? He goes on. If anyone is ashamed of me, we hide our allegiance that we're true worshipers of Jesus. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, we hide our utter devotion and trust in the word of God on every issue 
If anyone is ashamed of me and ashamed of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be, what does it say? Ashamed of them. In other words, if I shrink back and I'm ashamed to tell people because I know it's going to bring heat, um, then Jesus says, I'm going to be ashamed of you when he comes, second coming with the Father's glory with the holy angels. Let me go to another one. 2 Timothy 2, it says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. But if we, what does it say? Disown him, he will what? Disown us. Another one. Revelation 12, 11, talking about that last governmental system that's going to be this uh, worship conflict that comes. It says, and they, meaning the Christ followers, and they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb. We knew that God loves us. He demonstrated that by the sacrifice of Christ. They overcame because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. We refused to stop speaking the truth. We wouldn't be silent. And they did not renounce their what? Their faith. They wouldn't shrink back. Even when they face, what does it say? Death. Death. Let me show you another one. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus talking. He says, never be afraid of those who can kill the body but are powerless to kill the soul. Far better to stand in awe of the one who has the power to destroy body and what does it say? Soul. Destroy body and soul in the fires of destruction. So this is indicative that, that he's saying human beings can only kill you physically. They can't destroy your soul. Be in awe of the one who can do both. Let me go on one more time. Luke 21, 17. Jesus talking again. And he's talking about the end of the age, just prior to his return, when, when culture starts to turn hostile on a global scale for the followers of Christ. He says, everyone, everyone will hate you because of why? You are what? Are we prepared that we could be moving into the time where we will be increasingly hated just because we're followers of Jesus? Everyone will hate you because you're my followers, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will what? Win your soul. Standing firm. Standing firm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go into the fire, but the fire doesn't burn them. The fire ends up burning the guys that throw them in. They go free. And Nebuchadnezzar ends up eating his words and speaking to the, his whole realm, declaring that, that there is one true God. This God has rescued his servants. These guys defied me, even to the point of risking their lives. And now he's giving honor to them. What if, what if you and I, when we were the most fearful when we, we had the most to lose, but we sensed that God wanted us to speak up and declare the truth, not be ashamed of his words, not be ashamed of him. What if we took the stand, we took the risk only to find that others that we would never dream could be reached, could be turned, that they might somehow be provoked in their spirit to turn to the very God that we were risking everything for. Well, what if it's our willingness to take the risk? What if it's our willingness to sacrifice whatever it may cost because Christ means so much to us? Let me close with these four questions real quick. Does your worship, our worship, pass the authenticity test 
by being built on that foundation that I mentioned to you is what I call worship it's based on my attraction and my admiration and my affection my identity uh, association and aspiration I want to be like Jesus not just about going to heaven I want to be like him I've seen something so beautiful that's the way life should be is that what our worship think it through is that what we're uh, calling worship is it built on that second question can you accept that authentic worship is going to become increasingly controversial and might lead to us being victimized like these guys the Lord always rescues the victimized these guys said he can rescue us either by taking us out of the fire but even if we die are you prepared for the increasing hostility let me go on third question have you determined to remain openly loyal to Christ and to the word of God openly loyal to Christ and to the word of God regardless of the potential controversy and cost it might entail you I'm going to be honest with you we, we have some folks in here periodically and you may be one of them and, and, they, and they, they come to this church and they, they kind of like some things and, and we start liking them and feeling attracted to them and then we know they don't know much about the Bible and all of a sudden they hear what the Bible says about one of these hot button issues and all of a sudden they start to not like us and not like this church anymore and it, it gets very tempting I'm going to tell you something it gets very tempting to kind of try to go underground and avoid those hot button issues I will never do that and especially from this day on I'll never 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 because we can't avoid these things anymore we can't hide we can't go along to get along so we need to make some decisions real clear if you're going to be ashamed of the word of God you don't want to be in this church you better find another church that's going to go along to get along because I'm not I'm not going there last question are you unshakably confident that the Lord will always rescue his victimized people? Because I am. I, I, I'm not some courageous person, but, but I am very confident in Christ. I'm very confident in the promises of God. I know that he wouldn't have put me here at, at this time in human history unless he was going to equip me with the courage, with the wisdom, with the strength that I need, whether I go to him when he returns or whether I die for him before that happens. I'm convinced I, I, I'm unshakably confident in him that he'll always rescue his victimized people you and I can be confident he wants us to be confident but he also wants us to be courageous because we're confident in him I don't want you to think that this whole series is going to be you know uh, a, a downer it's not a downer it's something that God is trying to help us understand the time that we're in equip ourselves for it hey if we get a, if we get a stretch if things go longer better that's great but let's be prepared in any case okay let's pray father for such a time as this was once said to Esther it's for such a time as this you have put us here and you will equip us and you will always rescue your victimized people I know it I'm confident of it may the same kind of confidence fill the hearts of each of us here May you give us the, the determination this day. We will be authentic worshipers. We will worship you in spirit and truth. And we will stand and we will honor you, honor your yes. word. We will not shrink back. We will not be silent any longer. We will speak the truth, but we'll speak it in humility and love. But we will not be silent. May your power uh, enable that to be so. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.